Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number one. You made it. We're happy to have you. My name is Zach, and I'm excited to introduce you to my colleague and co-host, Gabe. Gabe, how's it going? Hey, it's going great, Zach. Good. Gabe, uh, you, you've been at Calix uh, for, for how many years now? Is it? <laughs> yeah, 84 years, as we like to say around here on the Calix. <laughs> 17 years, which seems insane every time I, I, I say it. It's uh, It's been quite a haul here, but it's been an awesome, awesome experience for me. I, I was, I, I, I like to joke that I started at Calix and Zach was, I think, in elementary school or maybe still in diapers. So it's been a long haul, but one that has been an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah, that's, that's been a while. And, and Gabe, I just want to point out that combined, you and I have a total of uh, 17 and a half years at Calix. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Very seasoned, <laughs> seasoned team here, man. Oh, man. Well, what we wanted to do is, is share some insights with everyone today. And, and what better way to do that than with a podcast? So speaking of starting this podcast, Gabe, did, did we settle on a name for this thing yet? We did. So we were, you and I were kind of figure, trying to figure out what would be a fun name. And there was definitely a couple of ideas thrown around that had bruh in it because I'm always giving you a hard time about that. And we decided that would infuriate a lot of people. So I, I don't see the issue with that, to be honest. <laughs> I know you don't see the issue with that. You never do. The, I, I know we've been talking about the Netflix show that is currently going on, which is, is it cake? And I know you've been watching it. My wife and I have been watching it as well. And it's completely stupid, just pointless fun. But we thought we would kind of play off of that and go with the Is It Marketing as our podcast title. So inspired by Netflix, Is It Cake, we are going with Is It Marketing. And you got to make sure you have that little lilt in there when you uh, when you say it as well. Oh man, Gabe, I want to go out and make a cake right now. I'm kind of getting <laughs> hungry just, just thinking about it. There are some pretty amazing cakes on that show. We just watched another episode last night and the people are pretty impressive. Oh man, uh, not not my skill set. I'll, I'll give you that much. Definitely not mine either. So so to get things going today, Gabe, I really wanted to talk about Facebook. We we get a lot of questions between um, you know yourself and my and, and me on um, how to advertise on Facebook, whether or not Facebook is a great platform to to use and, and to spend that ad money on. Yeah, absolutely. We, as you said, we certainly get a lot of these questions. I think the success team overall here at Calix just gets a lot of questions about Facebook in general and and how best to get the message out. And, you know, I know we want to talk a little bit about, you know, the overall investment that's happening, you know, with, from a marketing perspective, you know, in digital, um, I'd love to have, I'd love to hear you share some of those statistics. Yeah, Gabe. So I actually pulled some, some data from the 2021 meta call and it's pretty interesting stuff in there, but I, I want to compare Facebook to Google. Cause we all know Google's really big into advertising too, but in 2021, the advertising revenue for Google was $209 billion. And compare that, uh, Facebook, the ad revenue for Facebook was just about $115 billion in 2021 alone. And, and that's, a, that's, that's a significant amount of money being spent in digital advertising. But the number that I think we should really focus on, too, is of not just Facebook and Google, but looking at digital advertising as a whole. 53% of that advertising revenue was on the internet itself. The next biggest category, Gabe, was 17% with uh, TV. It's wild. I, and you showed me that chart and I was looking, I mean, I think it's obviously with it being 
over 50%, it's more than every other category combined, <laughs> which is kind of insane. So clearly, you know, clearly an area where if you, you know, are running a business these days, you need to be investing from a digital perspective, whether it be with Google or whether it be with Facebook. The, the thing I really like about Facebook specifically is it, the, the reach that it has, especially with their integration with Instagram and everything, you know, and all of the other platforms that, you know, kind of roll up under the meta brand now and, and the cost, it can be very inexpensive, especially for most of the, the clients that we work with to invest in, you know, actually running ads on Facebook. So huge reach can be very cost effective, can be very effective at just, you know, driving, driving return on that, on that marketing investment with very, very low dollars, relatively speaking. Oh, absolutely. And, and the thing I like to point out too, is, you know, everyone is using Facebook. If they're not using Facebook, they're using a Facebook product, you know, Instagram, for example, yeah. I, I just pulled up my screen time and I don't want to share the actual number here. We don't, we don't need to get into that. Um, <laughs> but in the past week, the number one app for me is Instagram, which, you know, is owned by Facebook. If I yep. go down that list, number seven, that's where Facebook clocks in. So out of my top 10 apps, two of them are Facebook apps. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I think obviously, as we were sort of joking at the beginning of this, you and I are in slightly different age demographics. Uh, you know, you've been a lot younger than me and, and, you know, Facebook is probably more targeted at folks in my age group and a little bit older. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I certainly spend a reasonable amount of time on Instagram as well. Uh, you know, we've, yeah, most of my social activity, social media, social media has become really weird for me. Like I, I <laughs> definitely scrolling through Instagram just to check out some stuff, but I would say most of my time is spent on Twitter and LinkedIn, which makes me feel super nerdy. Oh but man, the, the LinkedIn, that's, that's very professional. That's so professional, man. You know, that's just how I roll. But uh, yeah, my, my sister was actually giving me a hard time about it a couple of weeks ago because she was, she had sent me some stuff on Instagram and I hadn't seen it. And she was, she's 10 years younger than me. So a little bit closer to your age demo than, uh, <laughs> than mine. And she's like, oh, I, sh I should have reached out to you on LinkedIn. I know that's where, you know, you spend all of your time on your, all of your social media. Oh. So it was just throwing a little shade at me, but you know, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think as you said, right. You know, even if you're not, even if you're not advertising on Facebook proper, which I still think there's a lot of value in doing that, you know, having all of the, having Instagram built into that platform as well to make it super easy to, you know, to advertise. I know we want to talk about this a little bit later as far as placements, but you know, that that's, that's a huge component of what you need to be considerate of though, when you are advertising on Facebook is the places that you're putting this content and what content you're actually putting together. Absolutely. And Gabe, you mentioned scrolling through Instagram. Um, and one thing I wanted to bring up too was you know, we, we probably scroll through dozens of ads a day and don't even realize it. But but do you honestly remember the the last ad you saw? Maybe the last ad you interacted with? Anything stand out? I don't. <laughs> yeah. The, the, what's interesting is that I feel like the ads on Instagram actually work really well when I'm scrolling through the feed because they, you know, with Instagram, because it's so picture focused, right? That you really have to have eye-catching images in order to get people to stop. So I would say most of the ads that I engage with are actually ads that I see on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Twitter, I think, is a little bit more of a challenge. And I'll be honest, I just don't Facebook on um, you know on my phone, so I don't see many ads on that. But definitely from from an Instagram perspective, you know, it's it's a lot of like. I think this is probably because I've recently uh, recently started furnishing a home office, but 
I get a lot of ads thrown at me for like really nice chairs and desks and things like that. So clearly I've, I'm in some sort of algorithm where they're like, oh, this guy clearly needs to uh, furnish his home office. So I get all these really beautiful pictures of, you know, cool little, cool little, you know, products for your home office. So those are definitely the ones that I remember seeing recently, just based on my, based on my search history. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty funny, Gabe. And, and one ad I wanted to bring up, and I actually took a screenshot of this ad because I thought it was pretty funny. Um, there's not a day that goes by when I'm not talking about broadband and, and whatnot, but I saw an ad from a company and I won't name the actual name. So we'll just call it the, we'll call it Xfinity for the, uh, <laughs> the purpose of this. <laughs> but the, the ad said, go big, get gig. And it was very well designed. Um, obviously, it was trying to get me to upgrade my internet to a gigabit connection. And I saw that and I, I was really excited. You know, who, who wouldn't be excited by that? So I clicked into the ad. And this is where I began to notice a few problems was, one, Xfinity doesn't have a connection to my house. And as I investigated it a little further, I noticed that Xfinity doesn't have... <laughs> a single connection in the town I live in. So I thought it was rather interesting that I am now seeing this ad that doesn't really apply to me, but yet I'm still engaging with the ad. So it kind of made me think, what makes a good Facebook ad? Yeah, it's the, the Xfinity one is a really interesting example. I, I, Xfinity is my service provider, mostly just because I don't have any other real viable option. My only other option is AT&T DSL, which I can get like 15 meg which is not going to be workable for my particular situation. And it's, it's, it's so interesting that you, you had that experience. I mean, that's, it's very wasteful, right? And I, I don't want to throw too much, you know, shade at Xfinity. Obviously they're an incredibly successful company and, you know, one of the, the most popular broadband service provider in the United States. So, you know, easy for us to throw stones, but you know, there's clearly some targeting efforts that they could be doing better. I had an experience personally, you know, a few weeks, or actually, I guess it was a few months ago, I had called up because I wanted to see if I could get them to lower my price. And as I mentioned, I don't have another viable option. Um, and, you know, they really didn't have any data that let them know that I that I didn't have another viable competitor that I could jump to. And so they ended up cutting my bill pretty significantly uh, per month and, you know, really just cost themselves money, you know, because they didn't understand the data. And I think that kind of bleeds into the, to the, to the experience that you had as well, Zach, you know, to, you know, seeing ads and actually engaging with an ad and costing them money when you didn't even have the opportunity to buy their service. So yeah, to your point, like what does make a good Facebook ad, right? I mean, obviously good copywriting, you know, you said it, that image, um, I, I know you had an example you wanted to talk about. I'd love to hear kind of your your perspective on, you know, something you thought really made a good ad. Yeah, absolutely. And and Xfinity aside, uh, one of the most recent ads I saw was a SoFi ad. And, and the headline of the ad was a simple one sentence, good news, when you refinance student loans at a lower rate, you pay them off sooner. And that one really stood out to me because it was a single line of text that explained exactly what SoFi was offering. They were offering... The, uh, the opportunity to refinance a loan. Um, with that too, the benefit was in the uh, title as well. I could pay it off faster. And then it also gave me a very nice call to action. It told me what to do next. It told me right at the bottom of that ad to apply now. So I knew if I wanted to refinance a student loan, I could click on that ad, I could click on that apply now, and I already knew the benefit of doing so. That's a really good ad. And, and it's really good copy. You know, that's a, 
that, as you said, one sentence, and it gets a lot of information across in a very short period of time. And the other thing that you mentioned there that I love is the call to action and the, that the call to action is specifically related to the ad as well. Apply now. And I'm sure that probably wasn't the first call to action that they landed on. You know, a company like SoFi, uh, you know, as large as SoFi, hopefully getting larger uh, since I own some own some stock in that company, not doing great at the moment, but, you know, brighter days ahead. Um, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll test different calls to action and things like that. And I love the fact that that one really applies very specifically to, you know, the copy that's in the ad as well. And that's something I would really encourage people to do is to think about those calls to action and think about what benefit is your customer going to get out of clicking on the button, you know, and even maybe even a different call to action in this case would have been save now, right? Because, you know, they're really trying to lean into that, you know, hey, you can actually pay off your student loans faster and save some money. You know, that could be, a, that could have been an interesting one to try in that, in that, uh, on that ad as well. Yeah. And, and you bring up a good point, Dave, with, with the apply now, save now, what that button says, because one thing you can do on Facebook, and I don't see a lot of people doing this, but you can do that A-B test and mm-hmm. see which ad has better results. So you can change things like the audience. You can change the creative, the placement on where that ad actually shows up, which we will talk about in a few minutes. But there's so many different variables you can change to really optimize the ad. Yeah, absolutely. And and the nice part about this is I think Facebook makes it easy. You know, it. it it does look complicated when you start to get in there into ads manager. And I think can be a bit overwhelming for people who haven't played with it a whole, a whole bunch, but they do make that AB testing pretty straightforward. And, you know, if you, if you have a large enough sample size where you can do these types of AB tests, it's incredibly powerful because you can really get a, a better idea as to what, what's really going to drive action for your customers. Absolutely. I think, I think there's tremendous value in AB testing, not only on social media ads, but if you're doing things like on email as well, really testing to see what creative has the best result. Absolutely. Yeah. And something I've seen with, you know, with clients that we work with as well, Zach, is, you know, direct mail can still be a very effective marketing strategy for a lot of our customers. It can still drive, you know, a a lot of, you know, really great financial benefit, but it's expensive. (laughs) And what I've seen work really well is using social to test creative copy imagery, those sorts of things. And then if you are going to make larger investments in things like direct mail, use that insight that you get from digital to inform your direct mail ads and things like that. Absolutely. And and Dave, we've talked a lot about what makes a good Facebook ad, but I think we also need to to shine some light on what makes a bad Facebook ad. What are some, some mistakes we see? And, and I know talking with my clients, I, the number one mistake I see is just not having a, a clear objective on what they want to accomplish. Do they want to drive traffic to their website? Why do they want to drive traffic to their website? Do they want to promote app downloads? You know, why do we want this to happen? So I think one of the biggest mistakes I see is just not having that objective of what they want the ad to accomplish. Yeah, I, I, I would very much agree with that. And I think that, that's something that, you know, is always a struggle. And, and thinking about how many, how many clicks is it going to take for the customer to actually take the action that you want to, you know, if you're driving them to a landing page, 
you know, are you asking them to go two or three more places before they actually do the thing that you want them to do? That, that I think can be a struggle for people as well, but I, I would agree, you know, definitely not having that really clear specific objective is a, is a big problem. Certainly poor targeting, you know, as you mentioned, the, the Xfinity ad, I think that's a great example of poor targeting of, you know, targeting somebody for a service that, that they can't even get. Absolutely. And, and the thing with that ad that blows my mind is when you build these ads in Facebook, there's a big button that says exclude. And when you click on that button, you can exclude a, a audience from the Facebook ad. So if you don't have service in a specific region, to me, mm-hmm. that would be a great opportunity to use that exclusion list, you know, exclude that town, exclude that, that list of people you have. Um, it's, it's a very underutilized tool, I think, in Facebook ads. I would agree with that. Yeah, not to totally go off on a tangent here, but yes, very much agree with you on exclusions, whether they're exclusions based on you know specific zip codes that you can't serve or something like that. But a big one that you touched on that I, I also don't see a lot of folks doing is excluding current customers when they are looking to acquire more customers. That can be very wasteful and, and frankly, potentially upset people as well, because if you're offering better deals to new customers than you're giving to your existing customers that can that can make them mad uh to you know be as blunt about it as possible and you know by quickly excluding your existing customers that's a great way and and continuing this on i think another mistake i see a lot is facebook's placement options you you really have two options you have the automatic placement and the manual placement and within the manual placement you know you can go in and select different placements across Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, and so on. But Gabe, what have you seen across the two placement options? Well, Facebook certainly wants you to do automatic placements. And, you know, that's going to be the default option whenever you're going through and creating an ad. And they do that because it drives more money for Facebook. They don't get to 100 and what was it? $115 billion or something like that in ad spend without, you know, uh, being a little self-serving here. So, you know, I agree with you. I think a lot of people are not, are just choosing the automatic placement option and not thinking about, you know, where, where are my customers or prospects actually going to engage with this content? But probably the biggest issue I see with automatic versus manual placements is, if you've put together an ad that looks great on newsfeed, it's not necessarily going to look great in an in Instagram story. Like just physically, those things need to be different sizes and formatted in different ways. So unless you have created specific, specific creative for each one of these different placements, then don't do automatic because your ads are going to look super weird if you're trying to cram a Facebook newsfeed ad into an Instagram story. So that's where I'd really encourage people to think about, you know, manual placements. Um, You know, when you're getting started, maybe automatic placements is okay, provided you have a couple of different formats so that you can actually see where people are engaging with, with these ads. But what, what I've seen, and Zach, I think you've, you've seen similar with, with our clients is newsfeed tends to get the best click throughs and the lowest cost per click. Now, you know, I'm, want to just paint a total broad brush over that, but that's typically what I've seen. So, you know, you can really improve your click-throughs and lower your cost per click by just focusing specifically potentially on newsfeed as a manual placement rather than blasting it out across Facebook stories and Instagram stories and, you know, videos and, you know, all of the different things that, you know, that uh, Messenger and all of the different platforms that, that Facebook or Meta has. 
Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people who are new into Facebook advertising, they see that automatic placement button and, and they think, awesome, Facebook's going to do this and I don't have to think about it. And, and while that, that may be good for the, the initial ad run you do, when you get those results back, that's a great time to look and see where exactly the ad succeeded and where it had, you know, maybe those lower click-through rates, where it could improve. And with that, you can really optimize it and change your ad in the future to be on that specific placement. So if we know the newsfeed is the best option. Let's not only develop a creative and the graphic specific for the newsfeed, but let's actually set that to be the manual placement. We don't, we don't want to advertise any place else. We don't want to mess with, mess with uh, different placement options. Let's stick with what we know succeeds. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I've seen this with ads that I've run in the past, you know, started them out with automatic placements just to kind of see like, okay, where, where are we going to get engagement from this? And then as we got those analytics back, you know, through Facebook ads reporting and wonderful tools like that, gone back and just focused specifically on Facebook newsfeed. And it, it can have really material differences in your click-throughs. I mean, I, I've seen ads going from one to 2% click-through rates going up to six or 7% click-through rates when you're just focusing specifically in the areas that you know your customers are actually going to engage. That's awesome. And, and Gabe, one thing I did want to bring up is, is when we talk about Facebook advertising, there's a couple, couple things that come to mind is one is boosted posts and the other is the actual paid ads. Because I know when, when you manage a Facebook page, you see that blue button next to your Facebook post that says boosts. And, and it's, it's really tempting to click that. But there's, there's some pretty big differences between a boosted post and a paid ad. Yeah, and, and Facebook certainly makes it easy to do that boost, right? As you said, you see that nice blue button there. You'd see the same thing on Instagram if you're making posts there and, and a business account. You know, they just, again, that's how they got to $115 billion of you know advertising revenue is by making it easy. But you know, with a, with a boosted, you know, boosts versus paid ads. I think there's a, there's a lot of benefit to boosting posts. And unfortunately, Facebook has kind of become a pay for play application, uh, even for posts, because if you're putting posts out there and they're not getting any engagement, then Facebook is going to push them down people's feeds. If they're not getting engagement, then they're not going to get engagement. It's unfortunately sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you can pay for some of that engagement to get it higher up in people's feeds. So hopefully more people engage with it. And then as that happens, it will, the algorithm likes that content more and will push it higher up in people's, in people's feeds. So yeah, there's depth. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Zach. I was just going to say not to totally throw shade at, at boosted posts. There is hmm. uh, a couple of use cases, you know, to, to boost a post. And that could be, Absolutely. maybe you want to focus on, uh, really improving your your brand awareness on Facebook, increasing engagement on a post. I think I think of a giveaway, Gabe. If if I'm running a campaign, I'm giving something away. I, I really want people to see that post and and to interact with my page on Facebook. So that that could be one use case of of when to use that boosted post. And another is, I mean, looking at it, it's it's simple to use. You know, any anyone can click on the boost post and and throw twenty bucks, fifty bucks at a post. But the objective is, is a lot different in that case than what you would be doing with a paid ad. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think there's always going to be place, you know, a place for boosted posts. And there's a lot of good reasons why you would want to do that. Again, talk about you know, investment. I mean, you can throw 5 or $10 at a boosted post and drive some decent engagement. 
you know, so there's, there are a lot of benefits to doing it. Um, you know, it's just, as you said, it's a very different objective going back to your comment earlier, you know, really understanding the objective of actually investing some dollars, very different objective with a boosted post versus a paid ad. Yeah. And, and one nice thing about a paid ad, Dave, you and I spend a lot of time on Facebook with clients looking at different analytics and, and how to really optimize these ads. All of these conversations we have happen around paid ads. I don't think I've really talked about boosted posts much just because the data we use, you know, the, the placements, the, the traffic, the objective of that ad again, the uh, creative options, you know, you can use carousels, video, whatever that looks like. All of that comes with the paid ads. You can't do a lot of this advanced placement and these advanced uh, audience creations with a boosted post. No, it's definitely a big drawback. I mean, it's, it's, that does not have nearly the amount of flexibility as a paid ad, but you know, it's that, it's that constant balance between complexity and flexibility. So, you know, it's, it's with a boosted post, very easy, not very complex, easy to do, but not as flexible as a paid ad is going to be, but the paid ad obviously being a little bit more complex. Yeah. And, and one thing I've noticed lately with conversations around my customers is a lot of them are pretty new to Facebook paid advertising. You know, they're, they're used to clicking that boost button. They, they want to go back and click that button. So when we build these ads, the process is, is relatively new for them. They haven't seen this kind of advanced ad creation. There's so many more options. They, they get a little overwhelmed creating the ad. But when you look at it, it's, it's really simple when you kind of realize what you're doing, you know, creating that audience. Maybe you're, looking, you're using that lookalike audience as well. But once you actually get into that ad creation, I don't think you'll go back to a boosted post. No, I would agree. I, I think it's just getting comfortable with it. And it does, I, I, I could certainly see how it is overwhelming the first few times that you do it. I, I, I very much felt that way the first time I started doing this as well. And I'm very much a learn by doing guy. So I'm glad that I was able to get in and you know do some stuff. And I probably did some stuff wrong. I know I did some things wrong when I first started doing it, but it was, it's, it's one of those things where with, with ads manager specifically, there are a ton of options. You do not have to, you do not have to turn all of the knobs and dials. It, you can, you can definitely make it you know, more straightforward. Now, some of the things I, I would really look at, as we talked about earlier, is the automatic versus manual placements. Those are definitely things, but if you don't want to get into AB testing and, you know, doing all these sorts of things, don't, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to do that, but you know, there are a couple of knobs and dials that you'll probably want to want to try, but, you know, it's not something that you need to, you know, turn every single dial every time you're doing a Facebook ad. Absolutely. And, and I, I really stand by if you can come out with some strong body copy, that strong headline and, and a, a nice graphic to go with your ad and have that clear call to action. We talked about SoFi. We talked about Xfinity. Uh, if you can have all of those components pieced together, you're going to see success with that ad. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and going back to the example you shared earlier, the SoFi one, I think, again, that's a great, that's a really good ad. And it, you know, that copy is just really tight. I think that's something else to consider when you are building Facebook ads is to make sure that you're looking at when the Facebook or when the copy goes to dot, 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 <laughs> because anything after that dot, 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 where people have to click in order to actually read your copy probably not going to get read as much as we, you know, as marketers were so precious sometimes with our copy and making sure that every word is just right. But if it's past that, 
you know, part of the screen where people can actually see as they're scrolling through, it's likely not going to get read. So you really have to be thoughtful about keeping that con- copy tight at the beginning of your ads. Absolutely. And, and one thing I want to point out, Gabe, is, is Facebook advertising is, is competitive. You know, we talked about that $115 billion in advertising revenue for them. That's a lot of ads being pushed to Facebook. So as you're scrolling through Facebook, it becomes white noise pretty quickly if you're just scrolling through ads, trying to you know get past them, scrolling through Instagram. So if you can really make something that not only stands out, but catches the user's attention, that's a big win. Absolutely. So the last thing with ads is, is really the analytics behind them. You know, we've, we've talked about ad placements and how you can kind of optimize that. But uh, I think one thing to keep in mind is as you run these campaigns, it's not, it's not a publish and forget process. It's, it's very much a publish and, and check in often to see how that ad is performing. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a huge data guy. That's kind of been my whole career. And you I, know, yeah, this I is can't the... be the only one who checks, uh, <laughs> checks ads nightly. <laughs> not. I'm a nerd when it comes to this stuff. I will fully admit, uh, you know, it's that is that to me is the real power of digital advertising is to be able to understand who's actually engaging with these ads, you know, how, you know, what those click throughs are, you know, where they're clicking on it, what devices they're using. And some of that has become challenging, you know, a little bit more challenging with some of the iOS changes that came out last year. And that's probably a subject for a whole, whole nother podcast. But, you know, there's still a tremendous amount of information that you're able to get through Facebook through ads reporting specifically. And I'm, I'm a little bit of a lunatic about this. I, I just, I see, I see Facebook ads reporting as a really underutilized part of Facebook business manager. There, in my opinion, not enough people are looking at the data to really understand, as you said, how those ads are performing and then using that insight to make their ads better going forward. So I, I cannot encourage enough getting into Facebook ads reporting and slicing and dicing the data in a few different ways just to understand you know, what age brackets are clicking on these ads? What are the placements? You know, where, where are my best click-throughs coming through from a placement perspective? Those sorts of details are really important to make sure that you optimize your ads going forward. Absolutely. And one thing I want to point out, Gabe, is when you optimize ads, you know, you can actually take this data. You don't just have to see, oh, if I'm, if I'm doing an app install campaign, how many app installs did I get? You don't have to look at just that data. You can take that data. And when you're ready for your next, you know, download the app campaign, you can change things. You can you can almost do an A B test and see, you know, maybe this could change. This would this would be better if we tried this. So you can really use those analytics to optimize that campaign. You don't just have to look at, you know, the, the results, the outcome, the objective. You know, if if again, if I'm using app downloads as my example, you don't just have to look at how that did. You can take that information and apply that to your next ad. Advertising on Facebook, it's not just gonna be a one and done kind of process. No, definitely not. It's, it's, it's going to be iterative. And, you know, that's the beauty of having the data is to iterate on it in a intelligent way based on the information that's coming back from those ads. Absolutely. I I think there's a lot of opportunity there to really use these analytics. And I, I really think a lot of people forget about the analytics behind the ads. So Having that instant data, you know, if you're running, if you're running a direct mail campaign or maybe a more traditional campaign, you don't get access to these results immediately. Whereas, you know, with Facebook, I can I can log in right now and see how an ad is doing, and I I really like that. Uh, same, yeah, that instant instant gratification of understanding what's you know how something is performing. I think part of it may be kind of psychological too, is 
you know, you don't, if it's not going well, it's like, oh crap, you know, this, this isn't, this isn't going as well as I hoped well, it was, and, it was and going to. That, to. <laughs> and to that point, Gabe, if you see an ad isn't doing well, you can jump in, you can, you can pause that ad. You can make some great some changes to that ad. You don't have to wait for the campaign results to be like, well, this flopped. You know, if, if you, if you launch an ad, you know, a couple of days ago, you know, log in today, log in, well, log in every day, but log in and see how that ad is doing. And if you need to make changes, that's the best time to do it. You know, you, you know, your ad is failing. Let's, let's see what we can do to improve the results. Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason to throw good money after bad. If you see that it's not performing well after, you know, a, a, a reasonable period of time, you know, there is some learning at the beginning of Facebook ads where, you know, Facebook has to figure out who they're actually going to serve up ads to, but you know, they, once, once you have that data, once you have that data, absolutely. There's no reason to, no reason to continue to just throw money, throw good money after bad, you know, make that change right away. That's another I, thing just to, just to close off on the analytics analytics portion of this, Zach, that I don't know why I was reading something a few months ago and it just, it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks and I don't know why I didn't think about it before, but Facebook is going to continue to push ads to the people who engage with your ads. So if you see that older people are engaging with your ads, but that's not really your target demo for the specific thing that you're trying to sell, let's say that maybe you're trying to sell parental controls to, you know, parents of teenagers. Well, if it's a 65 plus and older group, I know there's some older parents out there. I'll probably, I'll be old dad at some point here in the not too distant future, but uh, you know, that's not necessarily your target demo for that particular service. So that's where you may want to go back and look at the targeting in Facebook ads manager as well to say, you know what, I'm just going to exclude anybody who's in the 65 and older age bracket, because that's not really the group that I want to want want to see these ads because it's not who I'm trying to actually sell the service to. So that's why looking at that data is really important too, because Facebook, if it is, if there is an older demographic that's engaging with the ads, Facebook is going to push the ads more to that group because it's like, Hey, great news. We found somebody who's actually engaging with these ads. Let's just push more of it toward, you know, towards that particular group, but it's not the people who are actually going to convert based on that particular example of what you're trying to sell. Exactly. And one of the things I like to look at, you know, in my experience, you know, in, in kind of small community financial institutions, a lot of people interact with your posts. They they get on, they like your ad, they comment, maybe they recognize someone in the ad. So they engage with that ad, but they're not the ones clicking through their ad. They're not the ones engaging with that call to action. They're not the ones, you know, like you said, signing up for, for my product, my business, whatever that may be. So I think that's a good call out is really leverage that exclusion data and really optimize your campaigns. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Gabe, that's really all the time we had. Um, maybe next time we could talk a little bit about, you know, TikTok, Snapchat, something like that. I know you use uh, both of those heavily. <laughs> oh, yeah, huge on, huge on both platforms. Yes, absolutely. You're going to have to do that one by yourself, buddy, if, uh, if we're talking TikTok and Snapchat. My only, my only TikTok knowledge right now is I have been seeing all over the place that people are taking content that they're using for TikTok ads and actually putting that on Facebook. So the creative for TikTok is getting moved over to Facebook. And that all seems to be performing very well. So that's I, the I extent of the, my uh, TikTok knowledge. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> the actual video size is pretty real, like, you know, pretty close between the two. I think it's, you know, it's super 10, 1080 by 1920 pixels if we want to get technical. So if you have a video, you know, that you can use on TikTok and turn around and use on Instagram stories and Facebook stories, there's nothing wrong with recycling that content. You know, it's already built. It's already sized appropriately. But, you know, I wouldn't put that on my newsfeed because then it's going to be cropped and, you know, and zoomed yeah, in a little bit. Exactly. But 
Um, yeah, that gets no, a uh, whole placement conversation, right? But yeah, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you have this, you know, there's there's no shame in reusing content, right? Especially if it's on a completely different platform. You know, there's it, it takes a long time to create some of this stuff. Might as well reuse it and leverage it in as many platforms as you possibly can. Absolutely. And and one thing I would like to point out, you know, kind of as we wrap things up, but when you when you create these ads, when you um, if you use you know Adobe Canva, whatever that may be. You can actually find the sizing guides online. A lot of these websites have the actual sizing guides. That way, when you design your content, you can, you can you know, Instagram's going to be, you know, 1080 by 1080, whatever that, that square may be, that aspect ratio. You can find all of that data online. So you can really optimize the content you push to your social media. You're you're much more the graphic designer in this uh, in this group than me, Zach. So we uh, we could have a whole that. podcast on, uh, on graphic design. <laughs> hey. Great. I'll, I'll, I'll come to that one and learn. I'll just come and ask you a bunch of questions. All right. I, I love that. Um, but that does bring us to the end of the podcast. I hope you have an incredible day. Thank you for tuning into episode one. And don't forget to follow us. We'll be back with another topic soon. And if you'd like to learn more, feel free to contact and connect with both Gabe and myself on LinkedIn. Reach out, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Again, my name is Zach, joined today by Gabe, and we'll be back soon. And we can't wait to talk to you then.